Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Frey Podcast, brought to you by thefrey.com, a place for women who want more from life. Today's podcast is a solo one and I'm going to be answering listener submitted questions but with a little bit of a twist and that twist is these questions have been submitted under the guise of being anonymous. So typically if I ask for questions, whether that's for the podcast or for social media, I can see who has submitted those questions. And because of that visibility, I imagine certain people like hold off on asking things that they might be interested about. I also think that that visibility is good because then there is a level of accountability And when people are accountable for their words or their questions that they're asking or the things they're saying, which is their words, um, people might be a little more conscientious and considerate. So because of that, I've been hesitant to do this anonymous question thing. And full disclosure, I'm only doing the anonymous question thing because I've put a little system into place to protect myself. And I thought I would share that with you because, I don't know, it's just nice to be transparent. I'm happy to answer questions from people, but I'm not happy to have people speak poorly to me, be rude to me, purposefully try and hurt my feelings, even though I have the awareness that if someone's going to submit something, you know, that they're submitting on purpose to hurt my feelings, I have the awareness that that's a them problem and it's not a me problem. I still just don't want to expose myself to that. I just wasn't feeling this week like I wanted to. So we have a system in place where those questions are submitted and Jordan receives the questions and then she puts them into a document for me. So it's a nice safe way to actually access those questions that people might just be genuinely curious about, but perhaps aren't comfortable um, probing me on knowing that I would know who asks it. So I think that I'll do this over a couple of episodes because there are kind of different categories there. So mainly in this episode today, I'm going to answer anonymous questions about work because there were just more questions about the topic of work than I expected. And it's interesting because it does, I guess, give me a little bit of a slither of insight into how certain people might perceive me. So I've not prepared any answers to these questions. I just have them in front of me and I thought I would roll through them. So I'll just start at the top. I would love to know, this is the question. I would love to know what is the purpose or niche for the fray? I want to recommend you to people because you're great, but it's hard to describe what it's about. So the fray 
I mean, first of all, if we start with the name, the whole idea of the fray was I wanted to create a brand that didn't rely so much on Kylie Camp. So originally it was the Kylie Camp's podcast. And that's great because obviously it does what it says it is, you know, like for people who might have followed along for years, it's a very easy, obvious um, way for them to view the podcast and know who it is and that it's me. But the downside to that is if I was to change my surname, do I then change my podcast name? It also, I guess, means that the whole podcast relies wholly and solely on me, which is great for the time being. But in five to 10 years, maybe I would want to have a co-host who comes in and also interviews people, or I just wanted to open it up and give it more space. And I liked the idea of creating a brand that had potential to grow in other ways, such as products, um, I mean, I don't want to say too much because I mean, I'm smiling because there are things on my vision board that I really want to do with the fray. So I just wanted a brand. I wanted that newsletter to go out every week for the fray and really drive that more and have it less about my personal name. There are pros and cons when it comes to branding of having your own name be synonymous with your business. Um, And I don't think that either way is right or wrong. It's just about what works for you in whatever season of life you're in and what makes sense for you. And you can always evolve. I chose the name The Fray. It was actually my second choice of a name. Originally, I wanted to use The Glue, G-L-E-W, because I wanted it to be like the glue that holds you together, that type of stuff. But that name was taken and in use by someone else. And I just didn't want any confusion. I think it was for an influencer platform when I Googled it and looked into it. I ended up buying the glue.com or registering the glue business name and then came across another, yeah, that website. I I don't even, I think that it was like a similar thing to maybe um, Tribe where influencers can be approached by businesses maybe, but over in the UK. But anyway, just when I Googled it, I was like, oh, I don't want any confusion. I like the idea of the glue because I feel like this podcast is really all about the stuff that holds us together. But the opposite of what holds us together is the coming apart. And in the coming apart is where we have so much more opportunity for growth and to pivot and change and for choice. And that's what fray means to me. It's when you come apart, when the threads of your life come undone, I mean, obviously that's hard, but it's also the opportunity then to choose the threads that you want to weave a life from. The word fray also means from. So it's like, um, it's from, from within. Um, Fray can also mean like out into the space. Like I've read it in books before where they'll say, oh, so-and-so went exploring out into the fray. Um, And I just like the word. I like the way it sounds. So yeah, the fray is all about choice. It's all about you being in charge of what you want your life to be. And that's what I hope for the podcast. I hope that it's a resource that you can come to. And yes, it's going to be light and fluffy sometimes, other times a little more serious. But if I can just provide any sort of morsel that's food for thought that makes you go, huh, maybe I could do this for myself, or maybe that's why I do that then I feel like my work here is done. So how to describe what it's about to other people? I would say The Fray is a podcast 
It's also a website. It's a resource for women who want more from their lives. Um, We obviously have the digital blueprint, which is a journaling experience where you can really learn to self-reflect and self-interrogate and get clear on what you want from life. Anything we ever create with the fray, the intention is to make a difference and help to support and provide clarity as well. So I'm working on something else at the moment, which is all about surviving breakups. So if you're not part of our fray Facebook group, go and join it because very soon I'm going to be asking for your opinion and your feedback on titles for this thing that I'm working on. Um, but I'm so proud of it. I think it's going to be really, truly very helpful. So just like with the blueprint, it will also have the audio files as well, which is kind of like a private podcast just on those specific topics. Next up, why no Mallory episodes? So Mal and I haven't recorded an episode together in a couple of weeks. It's hard lining up the timing to do it. Um, she has three children. She works full time. So I mean, that's, that's a whole thing in itself. She also lives an hour and a half away. So it's a three hour round trip, not even including the recording time. And just logistically, it's been difficult. I also, now that I'm not dating, I don't have any dating stories. And with Mal, you know, she's hilarious and she'll get on the microphone and have a laugh, but she's not interested in preparing for episodes in terms of, like I've said so many times, and we've, I've said this to her and in conversation with her on the podcast, you know, like I'd love to do the podcast with her, but I also like, I can't care. Like I can't do all of the prep on my own for our episodes together. And it just hasn't lined up. It just hasn't lined up lately because life is busy. Another one. I miss guest episodes. Will you do more? I love your work. I miss guest episodes too. The reason I haven't had any guest episodes recently is because I recorded about four or five of them in the space of a week and a half, and all of them had audio technical difficulties and were challenging to listen to. And I'm trying to be really firm with myself. If something is challenging to listen to, or it's like very stop and start because of technical difficulties, I don't want to upload it. So I've got some episodes there that I that are with guests that I haven't uploaded because they just feel a bit choppy to me. I'm still going to use them in some way. I just haven't figured out which way. I don't know. I mean, I thought maybe it was an internet problem again, but I don't know. We're just having difficulties with every remote recording lately. So it's on our list to refine, but with school holidays and everything like that, I just haven't gotten to refining it, but we have a whole list of guests. And yes, I do definitely want to continue with guest episodes. So I appreciate you listening. Guest episodes are something I really enjoy and I'm hoping to get better at. I remember when I first started interviewing guests, if you go back and listen to older episodes, I definitely wasn't as confident. And even now I still have days where I'll be in a conversation. I'm like, Oh, I don't know what to say. Um, because it's nerve-wracking having a conversation recorded. But in earlier episodes, I didn't know how to represent the listener as well in an interview. I felt like in my early interviews, I was almost 
disregarding how I felt or what I knew about the topic and trying to keep it very simple because I wanted anyone to that not as in oh the listener simple but just like the basic info and I was asking questions I already knew the answer to sorry this is off on a tangent but with interviews now I really do pride myself on just showing up as who I am and being curious so I do want to get back to the listener conversations because I enjoy them um so yeah that's that what else have we got here what pays more influencing or business I guess it depends on the person but if you're asking me what pays more for me working with brands or my businesses so I've got a couple of streams of income if you look at my company I've got the kind parenting company PTYLTD which then also has the fray under that company it's all one entity so the KPC is a business that functions it um it's an online resource for parents for baby sleep and toddler behavior. Then we've got the Fray. So the Fray makes money through podcasting, through the ads that you'll hear at the start of episodes and the end of it episodes, similar to like YouTube. Um, then I also do influencing works where I'll influencing work where I will work with certain brands and represent their products. Um, I think they're kind of the main streams of income. Oh, and then the fray.com also, we have the blueprint as well. So there are a couple of moving parts. What pays the most? If I look at my monthly income, the majority majority of it at the moment comes from the podcast. And that I think reflects where I spend my time. I spend most of my time thinking about the podcast. I love it so much. Um, and that makes sense that that would then reflect in revenue. So for me, my businesses pay more than influencing. I turn down a lot of brands to work with. I have a handful that I work with. As you probably know, I've worked with Esme for years. I love their skincare. I exclusively use them. I would pay for their skincare, even if I wasn't a brand partner. Um, so yeah, influencing, I think is a really effective way to get brands and businesses in front of people. But for me, it's not my bread and butter and I would never promote something purely for the cash at the end of it. It's nice if I can find brands and companies that I align with and I believe in and I would spend my own money on those products for sure. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The next question kind of lines up with that and it says, how should small businesses approach influencers and how much is a story post or reel going to cost a small business? So I'm sure everyone listening is across the fact that influencer marketing is huge. I I mean, surely everyone is across that to a certain extent. And I do believe that for a small business, If they connect with the right, in quotes, the right influencer or a stack of micro influencers as well, it can be 
like just massive for their business and brand. It can catapult you to another level in terms of the sales and brand awareness. Influencer marketing can be so successful. It can also be a miss sometimes. And that is just the nature of the beast. I feel like I have worked on both sides of it where we've engaged influencers as a company to promote products. And then I, of course, have worked myself in promoting other people's products. And sometimes it will be super successful. You know, sometimes a brand will reach out to me and say, oh my gosh, thank you so much. This has made such like the biggest difference to our brand. And then other times it might not land as well, just depending on what the product is. How should a small business approach an influencer? I really don't think it's like, okay, this is the one way to do it. I think you can try all sorts of different things and just see what works. I tend to believe a lot of it is timing. You know, you might reach out to an influencer and they've just decided they're not going to take on any more brand collaboration. So it's just bad timing. Or maybe they've just booked a job with a similar company. Or you might reach out to someone and it's perfect timing because they've literally just bought your product or they were just looking on your website. A lot of it's timing and I think casting a wide net. I think the way that you approach an influencer really can depend on what it is that you're hoping to, I guess, gain from them. If you genuinely want to send out your product to some influencers and just get their feedback and you're happy with sending out like 20 products and maybe they'll post an Instagram story when they open it and that's enough for you, that's great. Or maybe you really want to be super specific and you want one specific influencer to put up a post with specific wording. So what is it? I guess that's kind of a bit of a wishy-washy answer, but as a business, what is your goal? Is your goal brand awareness? Because if it's brand awareness, maybe it is about doing a bit of a bulk send out to your favorite influencers and just gifting them a product. If it's a really specific targeted message and perhaps you want them to really promote a discount code or things like that, you might approach them in a different way because then maybe you're willing to pay for them to create that content and pay for that spot on their feed. You can reach out to influencers by shooting them a direct message. I think it's nice to personalize your direct message. I know that when I receive a message that says, hey, Kylie, I followed you for years. I remember this, or I met you at this event. I've now created this product Would you be comfortable if I send it to you and you let me know what you think? Like, I like those kind of softer, warmer messages versus someone sending me a message saying, hey, this is my brand. How much would you charge to promote it? But it just depends. So you can send a direct message. You can email them. Some influencers will have a management team. So their agent, like their manager, their email address will be the point of contact. But just reach out. It's not going to hurt. And if you send a direct message and it doesn't get opened, try not to be offended. They might have thousands of direct messages in there. So send an email. Um, I also think being clear and honest with what you're hoping to gain from them is nice. I hate it when people have reached out to me in the past and they'll say, hey, Kylie, I've got this product. I'd love to send it to you just to see what you think. No pressure to post. And then they might send it. And I'll send them a message and say, oh, thank you so much. I received it. It's great. Looks good. You know, awesome. Then they'll say, great. Just wondering when you're going to post. It's like, oh, hang on. No, no. You didn't say to me, I'm going to send you this and I want you to post. You said like, I want to send this to you because I felt like it's just, 
I just want people to be clear. You know, let's all get on the same page. So again, with your intention, if it's just brand awareness and your product or your company is something that you can send out a lot for a low cost and you're just happy with some stories and you really are more loosey-goosey, great. But if you have tight expectations, communicate that with the influencer first so that you don't end up disappointed and they don't end up disappointed either. How much people charge, it really varies. When we first, um, when I first started the sleep business, I paid a very popular influencer who now has millions and millions and millions of followers um, on the Gold Coast. She was a mum of two. It was her second born at the time. Sorry, she's a mum of three now. But when her second one was born, she promoted my sleep programs. And it was a massive investment at that time for the company, like thousands and thousands of dollars for a post. I think it was $5,000, $5,000 for a post. But I had that money in the company and I paid that. And this was at a time where influencer marketing was really converting well. And so that, like what I paid her to post came back into the company within 24 hours and also gained a lot of followers as well. So it varies. Micro influencers, people with a smaller following might post for you just in exchange for product. Um, It really varies. All you can do is ask, ask someone what they charge. I think often people will, um, charge based off results like if you know that you can get a really good result for a company and you really believe in it you might have a higher price point because you know the product that companies have told you in the past that you have a good conversion rate if that makes sense okay last two they kind of go hand in hand I think how much work and what work do you do not being bitchy genuine question as soon as someone says not being bitchy my head goes why would they say not being bitchy like if it was a genuine question um but it is hard to know tone and then the other one under that is would love to know more about your work behind the scenes of day-to-day so the first one I guess the not being bitchy part maybe anyway I don't anyway the not being bitchy part kind of makes me go well Maybe you do think on some level I don't work enough for you or I'm not showing you that I work enough. But you have to remember with Instagram, particularly as I just said earlier, I don't feel called anymore to share all of the ins and outs of my life. I feel so much more called to just be happy and at peace with myself. Um, I do think a lot of people that share a lot of their lives deep down are probably a bit lonely. Maybe, maybe I'm just projecting that was like, that was kind of what was going on for me when I was very, very active on social media five years ago or so. Um, But as I was saying, I don't feel the need to show every single part of my day. I am really in loving this season of my life where I do get to share some of the highs, you know, sharing that I'm going for a coffee of a morning and I love sharing little bits and pieces of Brendan behind the scenes um, like I'm even just smiling saying it and it's funny like I don't feel as though I'm sharing that to prove anything I feel like I'm sharing that because I know so many people have followed along for years and really saw me withdraw and retreat and be sad and like it was a lot like I gained something like 
16 kilos through that period. I didn't want to be seen um, like when, I, when it was all really dark and everything. And so I'm, I'm enjoying now showing like the lighter and positive side of life because life does feel good. And I hope that anyone who is in that lower place might now see me being lighter and being sillier. And like, I genuinely feel like this relationship is the best one I've ever been in, like love of my life type of vibe. And so I share that now, but I'm not checking to see who's viewed it or how many views it's got or how many likes it's got. I feel much more like, oh, I'm just sharing that because that's what I want to do. That feels good and authentic to me. So yes, I will share Brett and I going for a coffee at 9am after school drop off. But then I don't share that I come back and I sit in front of the computer for four hours because I'm just sitting in front of the computer working. Um, How much work do I do? My workday varies. I live my whole life around my ex-husband's work. That's just being completely honest. Our custody is completely based off his work. And it's really hard because the kids are with me six days in a row. And then they go to him for three nights and it's rolling. So I can't ever be like, okay, you know, on exactly, you know what I mean? Like I can't lock things in because each week my kid free day jumps a day forward, if that makes sense. Um, So it's hard. How much work and what do I do? Depends. School days obviously are consistent and I can get work done on those days. I would say on a school day, I probably work four hours a day. So I'm not doing an eight hour day. By the time I drop the kids to school, they get dropped off. I'm home by nine ish most mornings. Then I'll do the normal whip around the house put everything back together, might put on a couple loads of washing or I might get a workout in. School pickup for my kids is like 2.30, 2.40. So I don't know if anyone can relate to this, but I feel like after 1.30 p.m. I'm just clock watching. It's like, oh, I've got to get out the door. So then I might get start getting things organized for their afternoon, depending on what we're doing. So on a school day, my work day is shorter. For example, today, Brendan and I dropped the kids off to school together. He works for himself, so he's got flexibility. We went and got a coffee. I was at home by quarter past nine, sat in this chair. It's now 10 a.m. I'll record this episode. Then I will go and get a workout in and move my body. Then I'll come back and sit down and record another episode, which will be another hour. So that's two hours then in the chair working. And this is work for me because, as I said earlier in this episode, the podcast is one of my streams of revenue. Um, Then I might spend an hour going through emails, communicating with Jordan who works for me. Jordan might bring me things like potential collaborations or projects that we've agreed to and deliverables. Um, Or she might bring me podcast guests and topic suggestions, the metrics of the podcast. These are all things that we consider. Um, then after that, I might spend an hour working on a new project. So on that breakup project, because again, that will be so rewarding and satisfying to have that finished. And I know it's going to help people and it is part of my business as well. So I feel like I've just kind of gone on a massive rift there. Every workday is different. If I don't have the kids and Brendan's working, so if he's, say, for example, working in Brisbane and he's out the door at 5 a.m. and not home till 3 p.m., 4 p.m., I'll get up at 5 and I will be so productive on my kid-free days. I'm talking like proper clear the inbox, pay the invoices, do the pays, 
do all of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. As a business, we have weekly EDMs that get created. So someone has to write the copy for those EDMs. There's a lot that happens. And as I mentioned earlier, we've got a few different moving parts. So there is always something to be done. In saying that, I love the flexibility that I have in my life. I love working from home. It suits my little introverted soul. It suits my values of what's important to me. I love being able to, I thought someone was knocking at the door then. I love being able to get a workout in. Um, I just, I love it. And yes, I do have a great work-life balance. I worked very, very hard when the kids were younger to establish having an online business. Um, So yeah, genuine question. Every workday is different. I don't know how many hours I would work in a week because in my week with the kids, if I've got them Monday to Friday, I might only work 20 hours that week, 25 hours. I'm always working once they go to bed. I'll always check in and catch up on things. Um, But then on those three days when they're with their dad, I might end up doing something more like 30, 35 hours. It just depends and no week is the same. I, the other day, Brendan said to me, he's like, you work so hard. I said, I don't know. Like, I don't feel like I'm working to my absolute max capacity. I could definitely push harder and get more in and make more money and all of that stuff. But that's just not what's super important to me. When I started this business, all I ever wanted to do was to be able to make a positive difference um, in people's lives. And I still feel, I still feel like that. If I can make a positive difference in someone's lives, in someone's life, excuse me, then I feel really fulfilled and happy could be a difference in terms of something very surface level or it could be from sharing a deep and personal reflection um I definitely feel like I work hard and there's lots of moving parts but I don't work my fingers to the bone in a back-breaking industry and you'll never hear me say that I do because I don't I try and have a pretty realistic perspective I feel incredibly lucky and incredibly grateful that I do get to work around the kids and I will often say that like I've said to my girlfriends I feel really lucky and they'll say it wasn't luck remember how you used to get up at 4 a.m every day when the kids were babies and you built your business and you built your brand and you've continued to pivot and it is nice to have that reminder and I have I've pivoted a lot over the last decade um but yeah anyway I could keep waffling, but I will wrap it up. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, let me know. That would mean a lot to me. I feel like I've been quite transparent in this episode. I would love to hear from you. Either slide into my DMs or leave a comment over on Instagram or join our Frey Facebook group and pop a post up over there as well. I so appreciate you listening. If you're interested in the blueprint, jump over to thefray.com f-r-a-e.com and now you know exactly what it means and have a look at the blueprint because if you enjoy the podcast if you enjoy self-development and personal growth and reflection I think you'll really like the blueprint and you can use the code podcast 2020 podcast 20 all in capitals for 20% off today all right team I appreciate you listening and I will speak with you very soon and stay tuned for round two of the anonymous questions there are a lot more relationship questions in that one so that's why i kind of thought i'd divide them but i'll speak with you very very soon